Three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of AC Talk. We're still doing the athletic training, athletic training student guide. This episode is episode eight, and we're going to call this community what now? Advocacy. Community advocacy. Uh, National Athletic Training Month is tomorrow. It's February 28th. Tomorrow is March 1st. If you didn't know, March is National Athletic Training Month. So what are we doing as athletic trainers to spread the word and advocate for ourselves and what we do and how we take care of our patient population? So the floor is open. Go ahead. Um, I mean, I guess I'll get started. I actually, you know, started our Walton Sports Medicine Twitter handler and Instagram handler for advocacy of our profession. Uh, that was the main reason I started. I was trying to market our CTAE program for our, uh, which I teach the sports medicine pathway. And uh, I was just trying to connect with the community of Walton actually was just my initial focus. Uh, whatever parents had Twitter, whatever student body had Twitter, and also along with Instagram, I was just trying to get within that community of social media just to showcase them, you know, what these students learning, you know, between first aid, CPR, intensive, you know, the, the, the intensive knowledge of anatomy and, you know, how they get exposed, you know, to different things like modalities and so forth. And so that was my initial goal. Um, and it's still my main goal in regards to doing my Twitter account. And then obviously it kind of branched off further in regards to just connecting within the AT community on Twitter and then the AT community on Instagram and so forth. So now it's not just advocating uh, within our Walton community about athletic training in sports medicine, but it's just continued to push the brand uh, within the Twitter Twitterverse. Uh, so for me, you know, I guess not to be too cliche, but that is one of the main reasons why I started. And that's one avenue that I utilize to try to brand our profession. I think there's a definite difference between uh, advocacy towards and for other athletic trainers and advocacy towards the community. Um, and when I was a young professional first starting out, I'm, you know, I'm still just as passionate as I was then, but I was really passionate about sharing experiences about, you know, hey, I tried this for the first time, or hey, I got a special test positive on this for the first time. But my message might not have been as universally understood. You know, I, I was talking to other athletic trainers talking, you know, that was that was my target. Um, but if you want to get into advocacy, and we can talk about all the benefits that, that come with creating a relationship and, and improving your visibility within the community, you kind of have to change your message or change the tone um, and, and change the way you reach out. Um, probably, I'm sure a lot of athletic trainers, well, this is, hopefully you're finding this on Twitter or some other social media. So a lot of athletic trainers work in that universe. Um, but there are other people in your local community that might work and, and interact through other forms of media. And you have to look into, you know, how to reach people, how to reach that audience where they're at. Um, I know that like newsprint and TV ads and things like that are, are quickly going out of style, but that might be where uh, some of your biggest donors spend some of their time, you know, learning about the world around them. So if you can connect with a, a local reporter for the newspaper, 
yeah, it's it's going to be in, in newsprint somewhere else. It might not be the, the coolest, newest way to connect, but you might reach a different audience than if you're just preaching to the AT choir. Yeah, um, kind of building off of that. So um, being the chair of the YP committee in Vermont, we're 20 years behind as a state in terms of how we communicate everything like that. So I'm actually meeting with a group of YPs next week to discuss how are we going to market um, and advocate during National Athletic Trainers Month. And one of my big thoughts was there's a lot of local pride in each small town. So local papers, even though they're struggling financially, that's still a main way that people get information. So we might just all together write up one big article and send it to every single small newspaper do it that way. Um, I think we're behind the ball this year, but I think in the years coming up, um, getting on our local um, news stations where they have like a Sunday morning discussions um, where we can do public education on that, um, our local um, stations as well. Um, they do a lot of in-state programming. Um, and, and ultimately, I think those are the populations that, especially the public radio one, that they're going to spend money on resources they need if it if they think it's going to benefit um, their community, um, especially if they have children. Um, whereas a lot of high schools in Vermont don't have athletic trainers, and I say that being a collegiate athletic trainer. Um, so trying, we're, I'm, my my goal is to try and make Vermont more. Um, attractive to athletic trainers but in order to do that we need to have more athletic training positions in our state um so that's that's on that level um being in the collegiate setting all our coaches know what athletic trainers are and in terms of advocating for our profession um they they know what we can do i just don't think they have a full grasp of how we do it and what goes into getting player a back to um, participation from an injury they just know we can do it but um, really pushing the message of like it's not just like they come in for 20 minutes we do Mr. Miyagi <laughs> rub our hands put it over the injured area and let them back in um, there's a lot of thought there's a lot of care and in that process we are making relationships with those athletes that make them more comfortable because um, I had an athlete this week who was coming back from an injury and she was nervous so a lot of it was, I was able to just make the healing process a little easier for her, but it was more convincing her that she could do the things she was doing before she was injured. And so I think that is what I have personally struggled with, showing that this is what I've done to make it so they can come back. So. I, I'm like you, Tony. I started a Twitter account and an Instagram account pretty much to advocate for our athletic training program. And I've begun reaching out and becoming connected with a lot of, uh, quite a few of the uh, former athletes and student, former students that I've known. Uh, I won't, I won't um, follow or friend anybody that's an active student, but after they graduate, and usually I try and wait till they're at least like a junior in college. There's certain things I just don't want to see. Um, but yeah, Tony, I'm, I'm like you and, and I, I, I'm an experienced uh, athletic trainer, uh, we'll say that. And uh, some some of the technology and the tools are, you know, a little old dog and new tricks. But I'm working my way through it. Um, 
as far as advocating for the profession, one of the things I've done for National Athletic Training Month, and I've done it a couple times, is I've reached out to our local mayor and uh, asked if they would recognize National Athletic Training Month. And in our little town of Vienna, Virginia, there are two high schools, ours and, and Madison High School. So I, the first time I did it, I invited the mayor to a game. We were playing a soccer game against the other high school. The other athletic trainer came over. We invited the mayor and she read a proclamation recognizing National Athletic Training Month. You post that on Twitter, you, it gets out in the newspaper and more and more people see that kind of stuff. But things like that take planning. And this year I've not been very good with, with COVID and things falling through a crack um, because in our little town, you know, they only meet once a month. So if they, if they met already in uh, February, they're not going to meet until the end of March. Uh, it, it, it's kind of too late to do anything for, for the month. Now you can still advocate for the profession that it doesn't have to be a one month a, a year thing. Um, but sometimes some planning and uh, last year, somebody reached out to our governor and the governor uh, proclaimed national athletic training month um, and they meet more often. So if you're in a bigger city that might meet more often, it's worth reaching out to your local mayor, governor, whoever, and ha hopefully they recognize the, the month as national athletic training month. Yeah. I'm also getting a much I'm feeling more pressed to advocate more, especially in my local um, school community, um, as we've seen with how COVID was with the profession and people losing their jobs and people stepping up in other ways. Um, my, the staff I'm on with four athletic trainers in one head, um, we've been doing a lot of administrative stuff in terms of testing our campus community, mostly athletics, but when we do surveillance testing, we are gonna be um, a part of that as well. So um, as we may face um, more financial burden in the future, using, showing that, hey, we don't just work with athletes. We were asked to fill a need on our campus and we did that <laughs> and it helped everyone. Um, as we go forward as well. So not, we're not only making our athletes safer, we're making the community safer as well at the same time when needed. Yeah, I think that's a good point is to address how you interact with the greater community. Um, you know, we can advocate all we want for, uh, we should have an athletic trainer in every high school, we should have an athletic trainer in this situation, athletic trainers can do this, that, but if you don't, tell the audience or tell the community how it's directly going to benefit them, they, you're not going to nearly get as much buy-in. Um, you know, nowadays we say, well, athletic trainers are already, um, you know, skilled in doing these things where we know how to screen people for injuries. We know how to screen people for illness. So you have this position on a, on a COVID screening team, you know, put the athletic trainer in um, that, that fulfills the need that the community has. Um, and if it's uh, say, Parents that have to take a day off of work, you know, have to take time off to take their kid to the doctor or something like that. Uh, maybe address the, the parent meeting with, well, come see the athletic trainer first. And we might save you the trip to the doctor. So you don't have to lose money from taking time off of work to taking your kid to, you know, it's, it's a um, kind of cascading effect there. So if you can figure out what the, the target audience needs, what they um what kind of problems they face and how the athletic trainer can 
help solve those problems, I think you'll reach a lot more people a lot more effectively. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, you know, kind of hearing you all talk about, and obviously this is supposed to be an educational piece, is uh, understanding who we need to reach out to. You know, I love what Paul, you know, stated in regards to connecting with the mayor. Mayor, even though they may have just came in to do that particular event, I'm sure that mayor left that event a little bit more educated about athletic trainers. So, you know, biggest thing for us is once we get into our communities, understanding who the stakeholders are our communities, I think is really important for us as athletic trainers. And also understanding that anytime anytime it comes to a place where we're talking about advocating and so forth, it's actually gonna require us to sacrifice some of our time and commitment to make sure that that message is pushed out. So I talking to you YPs, know that it's go, it might be beyond your 40 hour work week to get this process done, but you need to learn who your stakeholders are it could be your school board. It could be your athletic director. It could be the president of your school, your dean. It could be all kinds of different, you know, could be your mayor. It could be your governor. And a lot of times it is when we're talking about state practice acts and so forth, right? It can go all the way up to the political level. So you need to know who your stakeholders are and you need to know what level they operate in in, in decision making. And once you are able to identify that, then you can figure out strategical ways on how to communicate things to them to hopefully get some agendas across the board, you know. So definitely think about that, you all, in regards to, you know, educating and advocating uh, for the profession. I think that's a real key factor. Now, for my YPs who are, you know, a little bit more technically savvy, one of the other uh, viewpoints that I would express is building up your website. Uh, I, I think as ATs, we kind of maybe, especially at the collegiate level, we kind of de depend on the communication department to get that all squared away. And that's a luxury that I'm not envious of, perfect. But for us ones who don't necessarily have that, we need to figure out who that is and how we can get information on a website. Because I know especially at the high school level, parents still go on websites. They still search websites. I mean, that's what our internet is all about. So if they're searching Walden High School and they're trying to move into your town and trying to find a good school, what's the academics look like, what the athletic website look like. And at this point, some schools may have athletic trainers, and this is something I really want y'all to hear, but you won't even know because your name ain't even on the website. Forget just education. Forget just advocating. How about them just knowing that you're there? And even as an athletic trainer, when I'm traveling to another school and I'm trying to figure out who the AT is and I can't find your information at all, you know, that can be challenging. I shouldn't have to uh, search through Atlas. And even then people don't update Atlas. So um, biggest thing I'm trying to emphasize without rambling on too much is we talked about Twitter, Instagram, even maybe having fun with TikTok and so forth. You can play with that and also, but your website, right, is a core foundation of where parents, communities should be able to find information about you and then also maybe about what you do. Paul, you're muted. Big donkey. Um, <laughs> you're talking about the stakeholders. Um, it's, it may not be as hard as some people think. Get to know your student athletes and what their parents do. How many, of, how many 
parents that are in the stands are school board members, superintendents, um, public figures who we don't even know about. If you don't get to know your family, your, your families, uh, get to know your community, sit in the stands during a basketball game, you happen to buddy up next to one of those people and you, you get their ear for an hour and a half, you know, and you, you could chat about their son's basketball game, their daughter's gymnastics meet, as well as what we do as athletic trainers and how you help that other girl on the team that they know about and, and that what, what hours we put in there and how many times have we heard, do you guys sleep here? Well, you guys are always here. You're getting that, getting that um, person's ear that may be a stakeholder, like the Anthony was saying. Um, you never know who's watching you. And that, and that kind of goes back to the student aid conversation. What do you have in your student aides doing? Yes, it's important to have them present and be a part and able to learn. But if a superintendent sees a student aide doing your job, well, a high school student can do your job. Why do I need to pay somebody $50,000 if a high school student can do it? So what we're showing and what we're demonstrating, and it's a very fine line and, and it really is. And I understand that, but who, you don't you never know who's looking. Yeah. Um, to kind of go back to what Tony was saying is knowing your stakeholders, but also knowing, to, knowing what they find valuable. Because we may think things are very valuable, but they might not understand it. So we have to figure out not only how to, who they are, but what's going to get them on board. Um, and then going to what, based on what Paul was saying, um, I always wanted to work collegiately because I didn't want to deal with parents. <laughs> That's one of them. Um, and like football post-game tailgates, I never attended. Um, and then there was a couple kids from where I grew up. Cause I, I live, I worked two hours from where I grew up attending college and, um, I actually kind of worked with the father. So he's up in tailgates and I started going and I started meeting a lot of new parents. And at first I was a little nervous because it's like, I, I'm, I'm here to avoid these people, but it made it easier in terms of communication, in terms of like, if someone wasn't feeling well, um, talking to the parents or, or even then, like if the kid was talking to the parents, they say, well, go see Ed. So they kind of helped bridge that gap but I've heard of stories where when athletic trainers immerse themselves in the community that they are in that they've they've had benefits so like I know a lot of some some high school athletic trainers have done very well when they've immersed themselves in the community getting support from the booster club unfortunately we don't really have a booster club but who knows, maybe I, I get lucky and have a very well-off family at my school and they're very happy with something I do or they get inspired by a conversation I had with them and who knows where that could go um, in terms of that aspect. But um, yeah, I forget where I was going with that because I'm a rambler too, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> Well, just, just to touch base on that, as a high school AT, I, I agree with that completely, Ed. You know, uh, get, getting to know, your, getting your face out in front of the parents, I think is vital for high school, secondary school athletic trainers. It's, it's extremely vital because a lot of our parents don't know to what extent we are there for, you know. And then, again, with some of us don't even travel, they don't even know to what extent 
the accessibility is to you because they don't see you. So are you just at school from two to five? Are you at school from three to six? Because you're not at this game, but you're at this game. I see you over here, but not over there. So they don't know. And when yeah. you have that inconsistency or you don't have the opportunity to elaborate or advocate for yourself, if you're, if you're not connecting with them, again, they don't know. And what they will know is maybe what another parent may say, and you hope that's good. You know, but I will say this, if you're covering football and you're not covering volleyball, that volleyball parent that has a kid in another sport may say, well, that athletic trainer doesn't do anything for my student or for my child. Sorry. So now you have that type of information and con trickling through and you haven't had a chance to connect with these parents to advocate for yourself. So for me, you know, not to ramble, but I strongly advise that it's important that we get into our communities and that is a great way to advocate. So yes, I'm fortunate at my high school, we have four athletic trainers. So we are able to cover things more thoroughly, but it's not just about covering. It's about being out there, being available to provide high quality care uh, in all type of events, practice games and so forth. And being able to communicate not just with the coaches but man we have really gotten opportunities to know a lot of our parents and I, I'm sitting here as I'm having a conversation with the parent you know and uh, or if I'm having a conversation with the kid and these uh, parents come by and they're like you know uh, I will see you got hurt today I hope you're going in to see Tony Hunter uh, this week you know parents are advocating for that or parents are coming to me and bringing another parent and saying hey Johnny was having some issues, but didn't really know where to go. And you're, you took great care of our son. So I just wanted to make sure that, you know, this parent knew who you were and got set up to go. And that's important. Very important. So, yes, Ed, you hit it on the money. It is important that we are out there exposed and able to voice educate our parents while we're in the community. Yeah, I think I think where I've done really well in interacting with parents is I've had, I don't know how many parents I, at the collegiate level that I've convinced them not to go to the ER for an ACL tear because a lot of my athletes don't have, don't come from high schools that have athletic trainers. So they don't have that experience. And I think it was uh, Andrea that was saying, um, instead of going to the doctor's office, seeing the athletic trainer, um, I think I must've saved 10 trips to the ER <laughs> throughout 10 years um, because they would have just wasted time and money. Um, and I think when the parents, when I've been able to explain that and told the parents, um, they really appreciate it instead of just see, having someone who's just a uh, pass it forward um, kind of person. Um, there was something else I wanted to say, but yeah, I'm not too sharp today. Sorry. <laughs> what I would recommend the students and the young professionals is have a business mindset where you want to have your branding you want to have your logos you want to have those on the website you want the advertisements in your gyms you want the person on the announce the announce person to say hey the school has an athletic trainer and that athletic trainer is right there so you can talk to them uh, what i did besides uh, facebook um, social media because a lot of my kids aren't on twitter they're on facebook and that's where their parents are i made a logo and i put it on t-shirts and i gave it to the kids Give it to my basketball kids, gave it to my softball kids, my football kids, 
Now you have 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 kids walking around school wearing sports medicine. And teachers go, sports medicine? We got sports medicine here? What's sports medicine? Principal sees that. Oh, man, we got sports. What's that? And parents see it, and the nurse sees it, and the school board sees it, or your dean sees it. And that's branding. That's, you know, and then you can have those conversations. They walk in, I'm confused. They say sports medicine, I don't know anybody. And you're like, oh, I'm an athletic trainer. This is what we do. These are the services we provide. And we could provide better healthcare if we got some upgrades over here. Let me take you through our facility. You just have to work it, but you have to be willing to put in the time. And it's not, I love National Athletic Training Month. It gets me fired up. But National Athletic Training Month ends April 1st. And your advocacy needs to continue on for the year. Oh. Um, I remembered what I was going to say briefly. So with the advocacy, um, I think how we treat our athletes is the biggest, the biggest um, thing we can do. Um, and with me as a YP, I wasn't a parent. So me just providing services, being available all the time was good enough. But as soon as I became a father and I was treating my first athletes afterwards that that thought of this is someone's child someone really cares and is invested in this person and I need to be better than what I have and thinking I was already good enough um, to show that I do care for your child as if they were my own because I think early on I used to say stuff like that but not fully understand it because how could I I wasn't a parent so I think that has helped me a lot in terms of how I treat my, my, my athletes or patients, um, if you will. So one, one of the things I want to add to what Tom and uh, Tony and Edis and Andrea said is um, when you're creating your business, when you're finding out who the stakeholders are, when you're treating the athletes the best that you can, um, you need to follow up with it. And, like Tom was saying, he loves uh, National Athletic Training Month. I hate it. I don't like being out in the public. I don't like putting my face out there, but we have to do it. We have to be uncomfortable to get better. Um, but you also need to follow up. Ed was saying, you send, when you send an athlete to the hospital, if it does go to the hospital, we're not just passing off the buck. It's you got to follow up with that. Um, parents love it when you call them at the hospital. Hey, uh, how long you been at the hospital? Have you been there an hour now? Have you been seen? Has the doctor seen you yet? No, let me have my team doctor call them and, and follow up and push the buttons a little bit. And when that happens, um, they really appreciate that. When you follow up the next day, hey, I know, I know Johnny broke his ankle. How's he feeling? Does he need anything? Does he need a new pair of crutches? Is it swelling? Does he need, does he need to get back in the uh, doctor's office because the uh, cast is too tight? You know, those little follow-ups. When you put out the T-shirts and, and your kids are walking around school with it, Follow up with the principal. Follow up. Hey, do you see the T-shirts around the other day? Yeah, where'd they come from? Why do we have those? And then that that triggers those conversations. So just to do those few things is nice, but you got to follow up. You got to have it meaning. I think that that uh, goes along with something that a lot of you know everybody has said a little bit. Advocacy is it, it can be big steps like uh, I don't know getting a proclamation or. Uh, getting on Good Morning America, you know, do you ever see that? There's athletic trainers on Good Morning America every National Athletic Training Month. Um, but it can also be little things. Um, it does not have to be a big project. You don't have to drop several hundred dollars on t-shirts, but if you want to, that's, that's a great idea.
you know, too. It's the little things, it's the little ways you interact with your patients, with uh, if you have student athletes, parents, with your administration, with community members, with other healthcare professionals. Um, it is the way, you know, you were a walking advertisement for athletic training. You know, everything you do, every time you're out on the field, every time you're uh, in front of somebody's camera in the stands, um, you are advertising and advocating for athletic training. So um, it can be big things if you want to, if you have the energy, if you have uh, an idea or a passion about it, or it can be little things that just kind of gradually improve your reputation and, and improve your, you know, your standing in the community. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to probably butcher the quote, but it's a little splash can still cause big ripples. So it can be, like you said, a small action, but the effects of that action could end up being monumental for an individual or a whole community. So you never know. Um, basically being, that just means we have to be aware of every single thing we do because we might, for every good thing, there's probably a bad thing that one of us have probably also done too. So just keeping that in mind um, for when we do advocate, because who knows what, what's happened in the past and they might say, well, like this has happened. Why would, why should we support you? Um, which every YP should, should be aware of. But you can do the little things to, to work past that, that prior negative impression. You know, True. if you're the new athletic trainer in a place, they could have just had an athletic trainer that, that just showed up 10 minutes before the game time and left, you know, as soon as the last buzzer went off. But if you come in there and you, in the process of getting to know the community, you hear about that, you can, you can build it back up. It's not impossible. Yeah. I would also recommend is that I think it's great to advocate outside of the profession, but I think it's really great to advocate within the profession and to just pick up the other athletic trainers around you. Like it's been a very difficult year, year and a half. And there's a lot of people that feel like they're on an Island and they're just kind of burned out and not supported. And you could, you can be a real spark for that individual during these hard times. And then you've re-energized them. You've got them back to the game and they're fired up and they're helping other people. And that grows. So I would recommend that as well. Agreed, man. There's a lot of great ATs out there, man, doing a lot of, you know, amazing stuff. Most of us are not put in an ideal situation. Most of us don't have the true authority that we probably should have as medical care providers and making, you know, decisions if it's safe to play sports. Well, I'm not talking about injuries. I'm talking more with COVID and so forth, right? You know, in reality, if it's truly safe for us to be out there, we know politics are the ones that are actually enforcing some of these big time decisions. But at the end of the day, if the athletes are going to be there, you know, either we're going to decide to fight the good fight with them and, and be along the on the ride with them, or we're going to allow them to play sports without athletic trainers. And I know most of us have chosen to be there for our athletes, even through this uh, pandemic. Um, but I agree with you, Tom. It's, it's really important. It's a lot of us out there are doing amazing things, but maybe not necessarily. And again, we don't do this for the recognition, but I do think, you know, as athletic trainers, it's okay to be recognized because we do such amazing work. It's okay to actually be in the limelight a little bit. You know, I know we like to be behind the scenes, but sometimes when we, since we're talking about advocacy, sometimes we got to be bold enough 
to actually step out in the front line and say that, no, we are great and that we can do this. And I think, honestly, that may be what we have to do a little bit more is get out of the old school mindset of just being prideful about being in the behind the scenes, because I do think there's some pride in that getting cutting that away a little bit and saying, no, we need to act, we, we need to get out there, you know, just as much as we, how we feel great about physicians and how they contribute. Physicians aren't behind the scenes. A team physician is not behind the scene. I don't think we have to be either. I do think we still need to be humble, but I don't think we need to be behind the scenes. I think we're doing great things and we got to find a way to put ourselves in the front line a little bit and showcase that. Super quick, we've got less than a minute, but one thing I want to add on to that and something Tom said about picking up uh, our peers, pay attention to when award season is out. Nominate your peers, nominate people. I can't tell you how many awards went to somebody. That, he was, that, was, that person was the only one nominated. Get some nominations out there to both your state, your district, and national committees. Yeah, if we don't advocate for ourselves, if we don't speak up, nobody else is going to do it for us. Oh, you guys, shirts, shirts where it's at. Get the shirts, put your team at your basketball school, put your varsity basketball team in your shirts. Everyone's going to say, Who, what's sports medicine? What's athletic training? Who's that guy out there high-fiving you and airballing threes? That's your medical provider. Thank you for coming on, spending your time with us. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and just stay safe and just keep crushing it. <laughs>